0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.
1: Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Friday, May 7th, staying in the orange tier for. Well, really, just staying. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. After a budget review committee, San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria reversed himself and now says he'll attempt to maintain library service hours. His original budget proposal would have cut service to five days a week. Councilwoman Vivian Moreno was an opponent of reducing library hours, and she says libraries play an essential role in providing safe and accessible education in underserved communities like those in her district. A survey by the Public Policy Institute of California says one in five Californians are hesitant or reluctant to get a vaccine. Among ethnic groups, black Californians are the most reluctant to get vaccinated, with white Californians coming in second. Here's survey director Dean Bonner.
2: One in three Republicans report being hesitant on taking the vaccine. And so I think that's why you see some of that crossing over to uh, the, the share of white uh, Californians who are saying that they would not get the vaccine anytime soon.
1: Urban residents were among the most receptive to getting vaccinated. The Marine Corps Air Station Miramar and Marine Corps Community Services say the 2021 Miramar Air Show is canceled. They made the announcement on Thursday. They say the cancellation is due to continuing health risks due to COVID-19. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Five months into San Diego's vaccination drive, and more than 3.4 million doses have been administered. KPBS's Melissa May tells us how San Diego County is making it even easier to get a COVID 19 vaccine.
3: Countywide, 63% of eligible people have now gotten their first dose of a COVID 19 vaccine, and 44% have gotten both doses. Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says the county has plenty of vaccines now, so a shift is being made to focus on convenience for San Diegans to get their vaccine. People can now book an appointment even further in advance.
2: Now extending it seven days out so folks can plan a little further in advance. Uh, We're also shifting uh, several of our sites to go until 8 p.m.
3: Today, three vaccine sites extended their hours from 1 to 8 p.m. The sites are in Oceanside, El Cajon, and Chula Vista. Each clinic will administer Pfizer and Moderna vaccines to people with and without appointments. Another effort includes pop-up sites in high traffic areas.
2: We are working with MTS, for example, on identifying uh, frequently high visited areas.
3: People may not even have to leave work to get vaccinated.
2: We will have more information about partnerships uh, for employers and businesses and and way people can sign up to uh, get on a list to have a pop-up or drop-in vaccine site brought to them.
3: Supervisor Nora Vargas says vaccine efforts in some of the hardest-hit areas are paying off.
0: In 10 out of the 39 most impacted zip codes in San Diego County that were designated health equity zip codes Over 50% of the population now has at least one dose.
3: While the county is making progress on vaccines, officials still don't expect to move out of the orange tier before the tier system is retired next month. They say that's because of a low COVID testing rate. And that was
1: KPBS's Melissa May. Scripps Health starts day six of their battle with a crippling cyber attack. And so far, there's no end in sight. Meanwhile, some appointments and operations are still being delayed. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman spoke with a woman who is having to put her health care on hold. To have this uh, pushed
4: back indefinitely has been really stressful for me.
0: Scripps Ranch resident Allison Wiseman is one of the many patients impacted by the ongoing cyber attack at Scripps Health.
4: Being in limbo is very, very stressful.
0: Wiseman's sister recently found out she had cancer and she had a breast biopsy scheduled for earlier this week that's now been postponed with no idea when she'll be able to see a doctor.
4: My sister was just diagnosed two weeks ago with breast cancer and my mother passed away of breast cancer. So it's it's very important for me to to get some results.
0: Scripps Health officials have been tight lipped about the malware attack that was first reported over the weekend. Their most recent update said a cybersecurity firm has been contracted to assist in restoring critical services after finding malware on computer networks. Since Saturday, the Scripps Health website and other online systems have been dark, forcing appointments and other critical operations to be put on hold.
4: I'm up about every hour during the night checking their website to see if it's up and running, checking the app.
0: Many frustrated patients are taking to social media, asking if any personal data has been compromised and when they'll be able to rebook appointments.
4: If it's only going to be maybe a week or a few days, I could I could hang on, but it's the not knowing. And that's the big frustration for me is that Scripps has not been forthcoming with information.
0: Wiseman has been looking into getting treatment at UC San Diego Health, but she'd have to pay out of pocket for that
4: and maybe um, come over to them. But because I've already had an MRI and an ultrasound in all my films, and those are not accessible through the script system, I would have to start back at square
0: one. She's not the only one. UCSD health officials are reporting an increase in patients coming to their facilities, especially emergency rooms. A Sharp Healthcare spokesperson said they were also seeing increased emergency room visits as Scripps Health is on bypass. But neither Scripps nor county health officials would confirm that. A county spokesperson described it as a dynamic situation.
4: Well, I just think that Scripps really needs to let people know, let their patients know what's going on to help them and not leave us in limbo.
0: The state health department says they are closely monitoring the impacted hospitals, saying they are operational and caring for patients using emergency protocols. There is no indication of when the cyber attack will be resolved. The FBI says it is aware of the incident and that they take cyber crimes and their impact to communities seriously.
1: And that was KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman. Republican John Cox is running as a Republican candidate to unseat Governor Gavin Newsom in a recall election. He claimed this week that Governor Gavin Newsom has, quote, just let tens of thousands of inmates out of jail. And Cap Radio's PolitiFact California reporter Chris Nichols spoke with anchor Randall White about that and some other claims in this week's Can You Handle the Truth segment.
5: Chris, remind us a bit about John Cox, who he is, and what was going on when he made this claim. Well, Randall, Cox is a San Diego County businessman. He ran and lost to Newsom back in the 2018 governor's race. And he made this statement about inmates during a kickoff event for his campaign in the recall election. And of course, more memorable than anything he said at the event is the live 1,000-pound Kodiak bear that Cox brought to the event But even so, here is the statement that caught our attention.
0: He just let 76,000 inmates out of jail with almost no warning. Many of those are going to commit other crimes. I mean, what are we going to do then? I want my daughter to feel safe. I want everybody to feel safe.
5: 76,000 inmates. Did Cox get this right? No, he really did not. In fact, we found that Cox distorted things. Here's what actually happened. Late last week, the state corrections agency expanded a good behavior program for inmates. And Cox was right. There wasn't much public notice on this, but no one was let out of prison. The change makes 76,000 inmates eligible for somewhat shorter sentences. They can reduce their time by about one-third. Before this change, they could reduce it, but by a smaller amount. But they'll need to demonstrate good behavior and, in some cases, complete a rehabilitation program. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, when might inmates be released early through this change? A state prison spokesperson told us it could be months or years before anyone is released through this change. And how did PolitiFact California rate the claim? We rated this one false. Uh, Finally, Chris, Governor Newsom made a claim about how much the recall election could cost. Let's listen to what he had to say.
2: Now is not the time to waste hundreds of millions of dollars on a recall effort that is nothing more than a partisan power grab.
5: Hundreds of millions of dollars. So did the governor get his numbers right? It looks like he did. I spoke with Donna Johnston about this. She is Sutter County's registrar. She's also president of the California Association of Clerks and Election Officials. And her group has been crunching the numbers on the potential cost of the recall election. Right now, if counties have to follow social distancing rules required in last fall's election, Johnson's group says the recall could cost $400 million. Here she is on Newsom's claim.
6: Yes, it is a correct figure, especially if we're falling under the same protocols and mandates that we did in November.
5: It's not clear what rules will be in place this fall. But Johnston says elections are expensive. Everything from labor and training to printing all the ballots, paying for all the postage really adds up. So the governor's statement is a prediction, but He is on the right track.
1: That was Cap Radio's PolitiFact California reporter Chris Nichols speaking with anchor Randall White. Full versions of all fact checks are available at capradio.org PolitiFact. Coming up, the TCM Classic Film Festival is live and more accessible than before. We'll have a look at it with KPBS film critic Beth Accomando as well as our weekend preview. It's All Arts Next, just after the break.
5: Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen.
1: Really hasn't been great for the movie world by any means, but there is one silver lining more access to film festivals from around the world. Last night kicked off the TCM Classic Film Festival, and KPBS film critic Beth Akamando says it has not only great Hollywood flicks, but also supplemental material to put them into context. Not all infections are bad.
2: A goal of all of this always is to share our love and interest in the movies in the hopes that it will uh, infect others, uh, maybe young people.
6: That's Ben Burt. He and Craig Barron have been infecting audiences for years with their delightful and informative panels at TCM Classic Film Festival. Now they can spread their contagious passion to millions with the home edition of the festival on Turner Classic Movies and HBO Max. Bert is the sound designing genius behind the Star Wars films, and Barron is a visual effects wizard who started his career on The Empire Strikes Back. Together they explore the special effects of old Hollywood movies.
7: All right, here we go.
2: catchphrase is we use the term movie archaeologists because we're trying to find the material that you haven't seen before. Notice how the camera angle is cleverly chosen so that the cable is camouflaged by the horizon line. Maybe from the standpoint of the people behind the camera, what their involvement was in making the film.
6: This year they look to a Humphrey Bogart test pilot film called Chain Lightning, says Burt
2: Craig and I have a special fondness for aviation films because aviation and cinema have been paired up with each other for well over a century since they both began. So, Chain Lightning, it's not a well-known film, but it was a film which we had a fondness for. I have to admit, I chuckled when I first saw this film. Those sounds were so familiar. They're from the cartoons, those classic Roadrunner cartoons. And it introduced some technology uses of sound and visual effects, which uh, intrigued us. So we looked into the story behind the making of that film.
6: By today's standards, some of the 1950s technology may seem quaint. But Barron says we need to appreciate the craftspeople of the past and how they drove progress.
2: The technology changed and allowed filmmakers to make different kinds of films over time. And how those two drive each other. The technology allows for new types of stories, and then the demand for new stories motivates the development of new technologies.
6: Their panel reflects the entertaining way Turner Classic Movies wants to educate audiences. TCM also wants to celebrate diversity, says Charles Tabish, senior vice president in charge of programming.
7: I mean, diversity, but not necessarily just diversity in terms of gender or race, but also diversity in terms of types of films.
6: Howdy, Dan. What's new? How's drinks? What's cooking? So you can find Tex Avery cartoons, a silent Ernst Lubitsch comedy with a newly composed score, tales of the immigrant experience, and a focus on the L.A. rebellion of black filmmakers starting to come out of UCLA in the late 1960s.
7: If you went to UCLA and in the film department, you had to sort of work on other student films as well, because that was probably one of the only ways you could really get a film done. And so we just carried that over into black community and black film students.
6: You can even find brand new works like Bill Morrison's Let Me Come In that makes us look at film history with fresh eyes. Let me come
7: in. It's taken from degraded, old, silent footage, basically, from a film and then attached with it as an operatic score. And it's just one of his really innovative, experimental, but beautiful pieces that he does. And we're excited to play that, again, to go to that diversity point
6: There's also room for cult classics like Ed Wood's Plan 9 from Outer Space and a TCM Underground screening of the perhaps not so classic Grease 2. going
1: to be late.
0: Let's go.
6: But TCM Underground programmer Millie DeCherico defends that film as part of the diversity the festival showcases.
4: I love movies
6: of all stripes. I, I think that film is history and quote unquote good movies should be available to watch as well as bad movies. Like I feel like, I I don't feel snobby towards it. But she does admit films like Grease 2 are enhanced by seeing them with other people. Make a plan with a bunch of your friends. Like I would would say like text each other, come up with a game plan, because honestly you do really have to see something like this with other people. Like, you know, it it is the experience of seeing it with other people that makes the movie really special. And so, yeah. I would encourage anybody to try to replicate that as best they can. Tavish's advice for attending the festival is to take advantage of the supplemental materials that can contextualize the films in sometimes unexpected ways.
7: Bruce Springsteen talking about the Searchers, or a piece about Howard Hawks and and how he approaches screwball comedy. Those types of things I think really are engaging and and I think will lead people to appreciate maybe these movies in a deeper way than they typically would just sort of clicking on it and starting the film.
6: This may be the last time TCM Classic Film Festival is online, so take advantage of the pandemic to get infected by film.
1: And that was KPBS film critic Beth Accomando. The TCM Classic Film Festival runs through Sunday on both the Turner Classic Movie Channel and HBO Max. And if you're looking for some local arts, we also have KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans here with her top three picks in this weekend preview. First up,
8: Back Collegium San Diego is releasing a new virtual concert called Bach and His Rivals. This is the final event of Bach Collegium San Diego's 2021 season, and they'll explore the works of Telemann, Graupner, and Bach from the year they were each positioning for the role of Thomas Cantor, the music director of the famed St. Thomas Church, and basically the central music figure in the city, who would report to city council and perform at all civic events. And if you're into music scene drama, try Leipzig in 1722. Sorry to bring the spoilers, but Bach ultimately got the gig. And Bach Collegium picked three Baroque works for a small ensemble, one by each auditionee, as the group refers to the three composers. And the group also performs on traditional period instruments. They're performing Bach's sweeping Vernue den Lieben Gott, Last Falten, which we are listening to now. this is a recorded concert and will be available to stream beginning saturday at 5 p.m through june 30th next art openings are back On Saturday evening, the Barrio Art Call has a lot to offer in the neighborhoods of Barrio Logan and Logan Heights, but let's take a look specifically at the Bread and Salt Complex, where you can find not one, but three art opening receptions and pop-up events. It's on Saturday from 5 to 8 p.m. First. Artist Neil Kendricks will open Mirror, Mirror, Lights, Camera, Dreams in the main bread and salt space. It's a series of experimental short films and projections dedicated to the memory of his father. Then, at the Athenaeum Art Center, Flora Wilds will install her large-scale sculptural work made of repurposed clothing. It's called False Neutrals, Fake Naturals. And it has previously been installed and modified and documented in different environments throughout the state. And Best Practice Gallery has a lot to celebrate. They have a new space at Bread and Salt, and its inaugural exhibition is works by the Los Angeles-based 3B Collective. The collective six artists and the show will feature individual works of painting, sculpture, video, some collaborative pieces, and even a site-specific mural. And don't miss Tatiana Ortiz Rubio's newly completed massive Stop the Spread mural on the side of Bread and Salt's Silo Tower. If you're not quite ready for even masked events, this is a piece of art you can even see from Interstate 5. And finally, some live rock and roll with a real audience. Sunday evening at Sycamore Den, Darkwave rocker extraordinaire Carrie Feller will team up with D-Rex. This is an outdoor patio show with limited capacity and other COVID restrictions. D-Rex takes the stage at 6 p.m. and Feller at 7. And we're listening to Damage Orbit by Carrie Feller. details on all of these or for more arts events or to sign up for my weekly kpbs arts newsletter go to kpbs.org arts